Welcome everyone to the Daily Variety Show. I'm your host, Tyler Daly. And if the first time you are joining us, and it probably is because it is our first episode, you're about to embark on a multitude of journeys where the topics change frequently because the timer is set at five minutes and things might get a little crazy. First in the show today, we have quick history going over Joe Kittinger, and it is inspiring. After that, we'll have my fiance Alexis on where she gets to pick the topic, and that's going to be tons of fun for me. And to close out the show today, I'm going to try to explain sports to Alexis, because it's her favorite. Now for the show. Welcome back from the break. Let's go ahead and put five minutes on the clock, and the nod from my producer means it's time to start. Today's segment on quick history, we will be talking about an American legend, Joe Kinger. We'll start with his early life. Joe was born on July 27, 1928 in Tampa, Florida. He then grew up in Orlando, which is just a few miles away from where we are currently recording. After a childhood going to the Bowl, Bowls Military School in Jacksonville, then the University of Florida, as well as flying a plane by himself at the age of 17, he enlisted in the Air Force in 1949. And that will move us to his military career that we're going to divide into two parts, his research service and his operational service. He finished cadet training in 1950. Seven years in, he transitioned to his research service and was awarded his first Distinguished Flying Cross, which is an award for heroism or achievement in the air for setting an interim balloon altitude record of 96,760 feet. Now for what Joe is most known for, Project Excelsior. He made three high-altitude jumps from 1959 to 1960. His first jump was from 76,400 feet, and he luckily lived on because of his automatic parachute. Due to an equipment malfunction, he lost consciousness during the jump and really was only able to survive because of the parachute. So his second jump was from 74 1,400 feet, and he was awarded the A. Leo Stevens Parachute Medal. Um, That award was named after one of the early balloonist pioneers, and it was given out for around 15 years to balloonists in the 40s and 50s. So his last jump came from over 100,000 feet at 102,800 feet, which until now, I haven't mentioned the number of miles high, It was around 20 miles high, which is insane. Imagine that. 20 miles straight up and then jumping off of that. He was in free fall for 4 minutes and 36 seconds on his way down, and he reached a speed of 614 miles per hour. And I want you to listen to his quote about the speed, uh, just because it's so unique. There's no way you can visualize the speed. There's nothing you can see to see how fast you're going. You have no depth perception. If you're on a car driving down the road and you close your eyes, you have no idea what your speed is. It's the same thing if you're free falling from space. There are no signposts. You know you're going very fast, but you don't feel it. You don't have a 614 mile an hour wind blowing on you. I could only hear myself breathing in the helmet. Wow. So he set records for the highest balloon ascent, the highest parachute jump, and the fastest speed by a human through the atmosphere. 
now for his operational Air Force service. He served during the Vietnam War and he flew a total of 483 combat missions, which is a lot if you didn't know. In 1972, he was unfortunately shot down over North Vietnam. He was then captured and taken to Hanoi. He then spent 11 months as a prisoner of war. He was tortured throughout his time there and thankfully he was returned along with several other servicemen at the conclusion of the war. And lastly, his life after the Air Force. Today, Joe lives in Altamont Springs, Florida. And we're going to hit three more facts about him here at the end. So he was the first person to see the curvature of the Earth. So suck at flat earthers. Joe has earned over 20 awards or decorations for his service. Which, again, I think is a lot of military service awards. And in 2012, he was actually a part of the Red Bull Stratus team that helped Felix Bumgarner break his high-altitude jump record. A little backstory on why we talked about Joe Kinder today. There's actually a park in Orlando named after him, and when we drove by it, it inspired me to look into his life and legacy a little bit more. And how much more do we have on the timer, producer? Ten seconds. Ten seconds. Wow. So that means we got some extra time. So... We're just going to go ahead and end the segment early, and we'll be right back after the commercial break. Hello again. So, on the show, we're going to be playing several games that I'll announce like in these little segments on the side. So, the very first game is going to be Find Out the Show's Mystery, and periodically we'll give out hints. And every once in a while, we'll also raise the stakes for what the prizes will be. So for this one, you will be getting an original sticker or magnet of the show's logo. So that is the current wage out there. It'll go up later. If you have any guesses on what it is, email the show at workingonashow at gmail.com. And we're back. For our second segment today, I'm joined by Alexis, who is here with a random topic. Hello! So happy to be here. Um, Using the word random to describe this topic is a little bit of a stretch. I might have rigged our randomizer system. Randomizer 3000, we got the latest technology. Yeah, well, it was pretty easy to rig. Uh, So, it's going to be difficult for me to keep this under five minutes, I'm going to be honest. Well, let's get to it. Today we're going to be talking about dolphins. The Miami Dolphins? Um, the greatest football team. No, more like the species of dolphins. Okay, so the species. Right. As you know, they are my favorite. They are your favorite. So when asked to research a topic, of course, I want to know more about my favorite things. And I did discover some very interesting things about dolphins. First of all, I, I would just like to know what your overall perception of a dolphin is. How do dolphins make you feel? I'm kind of apathetic towards dolphins. I don't really need them. They seem like killing machines. Um, Sort of that sort of vibe. See, it's interesting you say that because I did discover that dolphins actually don't chew their food. That seems worse. Worse? Yeah. They can just swallow a human leg whole. Well, they only use their teeth to catch their prey. And then, yes, they swallow. And speaking of swallowing, not going where you think it's going to go. Dolphins actually have two stomachs. Didn't know that either. So they're like cows. Do cows have two stomachs? 
Yeah. I didn't know that. Learning something new here on the I thought I was supposed to teach you something, but yeah. Uh, yeah, so dolphins do have two stomachs. Um, something else interesting is that there's over 40 species of dolphins, my favorite being the pink dolphin, which can be found in Japan. I think I've showed you pictures of pink dolphins. You have. Feel free to look them up on the internet if you haven't seen them. Very cool. You will get some, like, bomb images. Like, some of it is just photoshopped crap. But pink dolphins are real. They do exist. Um, killer whales are the biggest kind of dolphin. Didn't know killer whales were dolphins. I didn't either. Yeah, they are dolphins, technically. That's killer. Killer. Which is pretty cool. Um, they do have delicate skin, but it heals quickly. So dolphins are able to recover very quickly. From what? Attacks? Yeah, they get attacked by sharks all the time. Sharks and dolphins are always going at it. Can I provide you with a dolphin fun fact? Yeah, please do. They only sleep with half their brain at a time. That was also on my list, but I thought it was very well known, so... Okay. Got it, as it were. Anyways, um, so I think that dolphins are really cool, and I think they're the best animals in the entire world. So it's disappointing to hear that you are apathetic towards dolphins. Yeah, I, I disagree with that. I just wouldn't think that they're they're good. Well, then what is the best creature of the sea if it's not a dolphin? I don't really want to interact with sea creatures, though. You don't have to interact with them to respect them. Mm, I don't respect them. Come walk on the land. I can swim. You can't walk. I mean, I'm better than you. Nana and Boo Boo, stick your head in doo-doo. Oh. Right? I think you're supposed to respect the oceans, but... Well, yeah, litter and stuff, but... But fuck the animals. I didn't say that. (laughs) That's what it sounded like. Well, they had it coming. We're not. I like sea animals. They're my favorite. Yeah, I know you like to see animals. Sea World. Yeah, we're going to go to Sea World. I'm so excited. And I think that... SeaWorlds is great, despite what other people say. There's a lot of SeaWorld naysayers. Right. I mean, it is what it is. I think that they kind of had a hit piece put out on them, but there's not really much they could do about that. Right. Well. Unless they wanted to put their own propaganda machine. So then what would be your favorite animal? Since obviously dolphins are my favorite animal and why I brought them up is this week's topic. I like cats. Your favorite animal in the whole world, cats. Like a domestic house cat or... Yeah, yeah. Domestic. Carol Baskin level tigers. No, just domestic house cat because that's attainable, that's livable, that's my real life. That's who I spend a lot of my days with, my time with. Cats. Cats. I don't spend a lot of my days with dolphins. Because they're kind of mad, vicious killing machines. They are not mad or vicious killing machines. But they're in the water, and if they don't have that, they will die. And I don't have... Like, I can, I can, you know, put a little poop box, a little bit of water, and a little bit of kibbles out, and... I mean, I agree. Cats are the best domesticated house animal. Uh-huh. But favorite animal doesn't have to be limited to domestic house you animal. You said best and favorite. So, oh, my God. Oh, we're out of time. We'll have to finish that debate later. Yeah. We'll be right back after the commercial.
Today I'm here to talk to you about the all-new Studebaker Lark. It is equipped with superior disc brakes that operate better than other cars with hydraulic brakes. Shop for this conveniently luxurious car brought to you by the Studebaker Corporation. For our last segment today, Alexis is staying with us for her favorite segment called Tyler Explains Sports. Yay! Right. So this segment is me grabbing a random bit of information from the world of sports, and we talk about it until we understand it or until the five minutes gets us. Let's get into it. The segment is also very close to real life. Happens on a daily basis. It is, because you love sports. Right. You love sports, right. So guess what sport Sabermetrics is from? Our topic is Sabermetrics. Um... Tiger wrestling. Tiger wrestling. It's actually baseball, so you are correct. Because there are tigers in baseball. So Sabermetrics is from baseball. So have you ever seen the movie Moneyball? Popularized by Brad Pitt and Jonah Hill? No. In 2011? But I did see the Benchwarmers. Benchwarmers. A great movie. Didn't have a whole lot to do with Sabermetrics. But there was baseball. There was baseball, yes. Also, other baseball movies. Major League. Rookie of the Year, Major League Two, Major League Three. Moving on. So they actually used sabermetrics in that movie, and the point that they tried to prove was that it worked. So to try to kind With of... that what worked? The, 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 the metrics. How do metrics work in sports? So, good question, Alexis. So... Sabermetrics is the statistical analysis of situations in baseball. So in baseball compared to other sports, it's very situational because you could be, for example, in a one-ball, two-strike count, two-strike, one-ball count, and predictably things happen in those situations. So through the... Is this like statistics class? This is more so advanced than statistics class. This is taking statistics and then making your own okay to fit certain narratives or be able to show a specific players proficiency or value so the term is attributed attributed to bill james and he wanted to see if data could show why teams went won or lost so this is back a long time ago to see if he could use math or data or statistics to show this is why this team lost. This is a critical point in the game. They should have done this instead. That's why they would have won that game. So then you can That actually is pretty interesting. Exactly. Sports. Interesting. And math. And math. Sabermetrics. So we're going to go ahead and just talk about the types of values it gives. So there's three certain things that you kind of want to look for. Is batting, pitching, and fielding. They also have stuff for like base running and etc. But... Those are like advanced models that we're not going to talk about. So if you want to learn about it, feel free to look it up, but we're not going to get there. So we're going to quickly go over three of the most prominent statistics. They are called whip, slugging. Watch me whip. And watch, watch me, me nae Yeah, very good. Not like that. Whip, whip. And the last one is war, just as you said. Um, so whip stands for walks plus hits per inning pitched. So it's a stat that adds your walks and your hits 
and divides it by the amount of innings pitched. So it's going to show how effective the pitcher is on not allowing people on the base. So slugging assigns values to each hit. So the single, double, triple, and home run in each one has a specific value. So if you're good at hitting home runs, you're going to have a higher slugging than someone that only hits singles. So it's showing that that person is more valuable batter because they hit more home runs. Okay? Wouldn't we know that already from just how many home runs they hit? Right, but this is a stat that does their entire hitting. So it includes singles, doubles, triples, and home runs. So it assigns all four values instead of you having to look at four statistics. It boils it down to a percentage. So there you go on that one. So lastly is WAR. It stands for wins above replacement. And this shows how many wins that player is responsible for through a formula. So it directly ties their value to the amount of wins that they will have. So just as a fun fact, the average WAR of a Hall of Famer is around the 50s. And I thought that, that was a pretty impressive oh, The timer got us. Oh, wow. What a shame. I had what a shame. so you wanted, many you questions. Wanted, you, you had so many more questions. You so want to talk questions. so much more about baseball. We unfortunately can't get to it. we got to get to the commercial break. Thank you for listening, and catch us next time for another edition of the Daily Variety Show. To close the show today, I wanted to talk to you about a way to help support the show. You can get a freestyle watch and... You can follow the link in the episode or use the coupon code TYDALY10 for 10% off of a great quality watch that is pretty successful in the aquatic environment. Thanks.